helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. I keep telling people it's not what you don't know, but what you know that just ain't so that gets you in real trouble. That's why I keep going back to the source to make sure that what I'm being told is correct. With all the recent examples of justice just running amok, I feel like I'm working overtime to point out those pesky little details that keep people out of trouble. Well, hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, and today I'm going to try and help keep you out of trouble with those pesky little details. I'm glad you could join me as we spend some time, and I want to look at some examples from the justice system. Like It's not really the justice system. It's just a system. But what we call the justice system, and see if we can point out the details, the truth, the things that, well, are actually so, so that we can avoid getting our backsides bit by our own rhetoric. And I want to start today with a real whopper. I mean a real whopper. Fishtail size whopper. So as you know, one of the trials of where Donald Trump is, is a defendant um, is, is happening down in, in Georgia, down in Fulton County. And during a, a rather, well, a six-hour hearing back on December 1st, the, the county judge, Scott McAfee, asked an interesting question, and, and thank you, thanks to the fact that this actually was live streamed. We have a recording so I can play the judge's question. I'll put one more question out to the floor. This isn't one that has to be answered now, but I think it's one might, that might be worth considering. And so I'd pose the question to Mr. Sadow. Uh, if your client does uh, win election in 2024, uh, could he even be tried in 2025? Now, what got my attention wasn't so much the question, uh, but the answer from Trump's lawyer. He's obviously asking Trump's lawyer, the defendant, um, if he wins the presidency in 2024, can the trial continue? Can he be tried in 2025? Listen to the answer from Trump's lawyer. The answer to that is, I believe that under the supremacy clause and his duties as president of the United States, this trial would not take place at all until after he left his term of office. Okay, now this caught my attention, and it caught my attention for two reasons. Um, one of it's the general statement that um, President Trump could not be tried if he was sitting as president. Um, that's problem number one. But it's the fact that the, the attorney based it on the supremacy clause. Uh, this is what I'm still trying to figure out where he got this. So let me, let me talk this through a little bit, see if maybe we can make some sense of it. So the um, first of all, there is nothing in the Constitution, in Article 2 or anywhere, that gives the president immunity from prosecution while in office. Now, there is something about arrests of the members of the House, right? Article 1, Section 6, Clause 1 says the, Senate, the senators and representatives, among other things, uh, they shall, in all cases except treason, felony, and breach of the peace, be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses and in going to and returning from the same. And for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. That's specifically senators and representatives. There is nothing there about the president. 
there's nothing in Article 2 about the president being immune from prosecution while in office. The supremacy clause that um, the, the lawyer brought up reads, This Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made and which shall be made under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. Again, nothing about being privileged from trial. Uh, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's really quite simple. Being the president doesn't, isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. It doesn't exist. Yet here we have a, a, um, an attorney quite confidently saying that, uh, uh, well, he, he believes that um, because of the, the supremacy clause, that uh, and his duties as president would prevent him from being put uh, put on trial. Now, duties as president. Again, the supremacy clause doesn't say anything about the duties of the president, but um, to say that you know, if if the duties of the president means he couldn't be put on trial, then wouldn't those same duties prohibit him from say um, campaigning for him or for other? Um, other candidates would it prevent him from doing anything else i mean let's face it you and i don't get out of being put on trial simply because we're busy why should the president right this ladies and gentlemen is one of those real whoppers that uh i i really wish that the judge first had recognized going excuse me now he did say listen i want you to think about this uh come back to me um but you really would think, say, wait a second, where does the Supremacy Clause say that the president is not bound by the laws of the state? That the, pres the president cannot be subpoenaed at a state level, that he can't be forced to testify, that he, uh, uh, the trial can't go forward. Um, where? Because the answer is nowhere. Nowhere is the president privileged from arrest. In fact, I like to point out, do you realize that the sheriff, uh, your county sheriff, has every legal right to arrest a, a sitting president for a crime committed within his jurisdiction. Now, I'm not saying he wouldn't have trouble with the Secret Service, but a crime committed in his jurisdiction, the the uh, sheriff and his the sheriff's department has the legal authority to uh, um, to arrest the sitting president. And it's the fact that we've been scared away from that, that we see the president as some sort of monarch. He's sovereign. He's supreme. You couldn't possibly touch him while he's president. No, he's not. He's not sovereign. In fact, the United States, which he represents, is not sovereign, at least not according to the legal definition of the word. But it's these common misunderstandings, these things that we know that just aren't so, that um, gets us into such trouble. And again, I would think uh, a skilled attorney, uh, an experienced judge, would recognize that something's wrong here and maybe ask for some clarification on that. Uh, we'll have to wait and see because the judge just say, listen, we're going to be working this out. This is going to be a question we'll probably deal with next year. Um, so it, it's not that this is decided, but it, it's, it's, it's those statements. I wonder how many people are walking around you know, going, saying, well, we can't prosecute Trump if he wins because he's a sitting president and, and the president's not allowed to be tried. That's a lie. That's not true. And it's why I went back to the, the, the language of the Constitution to prove my point. 
Now, the other place I saw this, this actually was um, uh, George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley. And he was commenting on the case that New York Attorney General General Letitia James has brought. The, the fact that she is looking for intentionally, she's looking for the dissolution and crippling damages. She's trying to destroy the Trump business and probably Donald Trump himself. And what's interesting is this this law professor said, hey, you know what? Um, the, the, you're asking for $250 million in penalties. Um, that might trigger a high court review. That, that, may, that may end up going being appealed to the federal court. It may even go as far as the Supreme Court. Now, why would that be? Well, New York law is rather unique. See, it allows massive penalties even when the, the uh, uh, petitioner didn't lose a dollar. See, the banks that Ms. James says Trump defrauded didn't lose any money. But she's already stated, she stated in her campaign that she wanted to destroy Donald Trump. And, uh, well, this seems to be the way she's going about it. Now, Mr. Turley looked at a 1996 case, um, BMW of North America versus Gore, where the Supreme Court found that uh, uh, the punitive damages imposed on the, com on the company um, was grossly excessive. Now, remember, the Eighth Amendment, excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishment. So if you have a case where the, um, first of all, this case is, is twitchy to begin with, uh, because the banks that supposedly were defrauded are not parties to the case. The, the banks are not suing Donald Trump. This is the state of New York suing Donald Trump, quote unquote, on behalf of the banks. But the banks didn't lose any money. Where were they defrauded if they didn't lose any money? Now, Ms. James says, well, Trump lied about the value. He, says he, he enlarged the value of his properties. But so far, the only property I've seen referred to, which is Mar-a-Lago, was drastically, apparently undervalued. It was a fraction of the value of neighboring property. So, but, okay, you have a bank that did not lose a dollar, right? The loan was paid off. The bank made money. In fact, I think representatives of the bank even say they'd love to do business with Mr. Trump again. It was wonderful. We, we, we had no problem with it. So this is New York State. It's not the banks. It's New York State going after Donald Trump. But if the bank didn't lose any money, if no one was harmed, why a $250 million penalty? It's easy. It's an excessive fine. It's an attempt to um, destroy a political opponent. And since we're talking about uh, political uh, court cases, uh, what about the uh, federal case being prosecuted by uh, uh, Mr. Smith? Um, was it Jack Smith? Yeah, Jack Smith against President Trump for having um, classified documents in his, uh, or sorry, top, marked top secret in his Mar-a-Lago home. Now, there's a lot to go on about here, but it's a recent opinion, it's, it's a recent decision by the judge that got my attention. You see, um, Mr. Smith has been trying to hide documents from the defense. Now, there's a fundamental uh, part, portion of due process. The, it's called discovery. 
The defense has a right to know everything the prosecution knows. You're assumed innocent until proven guilty. So not only does the prosecution have the duty to hand over any documents, but they are required to notify the defense of what it's called exculpatory information, stuff that would prove the defense's case. Now, again, Jack Smith has been trying to keep sealed uh, some documents so that the Trump defense could not see them and therefore use them in their defense. Well, back on December 4th, Judge Cannon um, signed a, a, a court order ordering the, the court clerk to uh, unseal these documents that Mr. Smith had tried to like, keep sealed. Now, as I understand it, um, the in one of the disclosures, um, the actually Mr. Smith, the Mr. Smith's team revealed that one of the, the documents that was unsealed, um, they they originally uh, 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 they opposed unsealing it because it would have revealed the defense to defense counsel information, albeit unclassified, about the contours of the government's planned SEPA Section Four motion. In other words, it would tell the Trump legal team what the defense what the prosecution was doing so they'd have the opportunity to actually oh i don't know construct a defense this is the basis of discovery you're not allowed to the the prosecution's not allowed to surprise a defense the defense has to have a chance to see what's going to happen so they can prepare um so uh, what we have here seems to me more like uh prosecutorial misconduct in an attempt to hide information from the defense that they had every right to. Now, whether you're talking about, oh, the sovereignty of the president or the question of um, excessive fines or even things like discovery, you see a combination of ignorance and, uh, well, knowing things that just aren't so can really cause problems for you. I can't wait to see how the uh, you know Trump's uh, uh, attorney. Now I'm sure Trump's attorney, his client would be happy to say, "Hey, if I win in, in November, next November, then uh, I can I, I can put this away for four years." Hey, I'm not sure Trump's not going to be very upset with it. I wonder about the rest of the people that might be other people might be upset with it. But again, it's what you know that just ain't so. When it comes to the the excessive fines in New York or the uh, the uh, uh, Jack Smith um, trying to avoid discovery in the um, in the Mar-a-Lago case. Again, it's what you know, knowing things, knowing what you don't know, and and being willing to find out the truth is very important to avoid getting bit in the butt. What would have happened if um, people knew that? Well, the New York State law says Letitia James can do this, or she can do this. Uh, no, again, you've got the Constitution of the United States that forbids excessive fines, period. Or what if you just listened along to the news and said, oh, well, you know, the uh, sealed documents, unsealed documents, there's a lot of top secret stuff. No, it had nothing to do with top secret stuff. It looks like it was an attempt to hide a prosecution tactic. If you knew that the government had the authority to seal this information, but it wasn't true, it could have easily have bitten Mr. Trump and his uh, defense team right in the backside. 
Now, listen, I have to take a break. I have a couple real doozies coming up, too. So I, I, please stay tuned. We're, we're going to cover some very interesting material. Before I go, though, uh, please head to the website, constitutionstudy.com. If you have any questions for me, that's the best place to ask them. Go to constitutionstudy.com. There's an Ask a Question item in the menu. Click that. Fill out the form. If you want me to answer it on the radio, there's a little checkbox to do so. I'll be more than happy to answer any and all of any questions I can. Um, you know, Try to keep it constitutionally based, but I will answer whichever ones I can. While you're there, check out the Patriots program. You know, One of the branches of the Patriots program is education, the constitutional scholars helping us to read and study the Constitution and understand, and then figure out what other things can we learn from this. The nice thing about the scholars is, is we have a feedback process where we decide what is what content do we want to learn next? What content are you looking for? So you can be involved in that. Of course, being a, a, a patriot is an invitation-only program. So if you want, a chance, you want to get an inv invitation, Check out the page, constitutionstudy.com slash patriots. It'll tell you all about the program. And at the bottom, you can sign up for the boot camp. It's free online video and, uh, uh, you know, pass the boot camp and you can, you'll get an invitation to join the Patriots. By the way, I'm considering in 2024 doing one or more uh, live boot camps via Zoom. So if you find that interesting, please let me know. Uh, I think we can have a lot of fun with that. Also, you know, because it, 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 sometimes it's hard to travel, it gets expensive to travel. But the worst part about travel is getting sick. So when I travel, I support my immune system with healthy cells, immune boosting nutrient pack called Immune Super Boost. It combines over a dozen immune supplements in a single tra uh, travel ready gel pack. I throw them in my bag. I take one every day, especially when I'm on the road. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell. Get all the details at americaoutloud.shop. Be sure to use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. You can find out more. Again, the details are at americaoutloud.shop. Give them a try to help boost your immune system so you don't get sick, whether it's the holiday season or any time of year. In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Clean. Pure. With premium ingredients. Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop. And it's the perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors. 
elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. Today we're, we're asking, is justice blind or corrupt? Now, we spent the first uh, segment talking about uh, a lot of stuff dealing with Trump and, and, and those types of cases. I want to take a look at something else. There's a, there's a case being heard by the Supreme Court called Moore v. United States. And it's a little bit of an esoteric law, but believe it or not, it has the, the, the outcome, the decision in this case could have a tremendous impact on your pocketbook in the future. Now, the, the, the case revolves around a, uh, an update to the, uh, to the tax codes uh, back in 2017, dealing with what's called the repatriation of foreign revenue. Now, if you make money overseas, at what point does it become taxable income? And, but one of the um, issues at stake here has to deal with um, taxation of unrealized gains. So in this case, uh, the plaintiffs are shareholders that have a controlling interest in a foreign company. And they claim that the law, that the tax is unconstitutional because it applies to unrealized income, right? Forming earnings that were not distributed to them. Also, that it applies to, uh, it's being applied retroactively to past earnings amounting to as, as property. Now, that's why is that important? Well, you have to remember what the 16th Amendment actually did. For those of you who are not familiar, the 16th Amendment is where uh, Congress was authorized to uh, uh, collect, directly collect an income tax. Right? So the 16th Amendment reads, the Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. Again, a lot of misinformation about this, but the, the important point here is it is the... Um, the income, the, the, the item being taxed, is it actual income? In other words, uh, we, we've, you've heard a lot. I've heard, uh, was it Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren keeps talking about a wealth tax and, you know, she just wants to have a tax on, on people who have money, not simply income. Congress is not authorized to directly tax wealth. Right? Let me say that again. 
Congress is not authorized to directly tax wealth. But technically, if they wanted to tax wealth, they'd have to apportion those taxes to the states, and the states would then have to collect them and remit them. But then again, the states would get in the way and say, wait a second, why are you doing, doing this? So this case, although not really directly impacting most Americans, if the court says that, listen, the Congress can tax unrealized gains, then every one of you with a pension plan, a 401k, or any investments could now be taxed on the value without actual income. See, um, President Biden has talked about taxing the uh, increase in value in any stock you may hold before you actually sell it. So the idea is simple, right? If you Let's say you buy a, ta- a piece of a stock for $100. And now it's worth $200. That is $100 of what's called unrealized gain, meaning, yeah, it's you've got $100 more on paper, but you haven't really seen any income from it yet because it hasn't been, you haven't actually received anything value for it. But Biden being, well, a greedy bureaucrat and, and politician sees that as an opportunity to collect taxes on people. So he wants to tax that $100 that you haven't made yet. But here's the problem. Besides problem number one, it's not income. It's a valuation, but it's not income. Until you sell it and actually collect tax, uh, collect some sort of income from it, it's not income. Therefore, it's not taxable under the 16th Amendment. But here's the other, here's the practical problem, right? Because you got to look at both the constitutional problem and the practical problem. So you you have that stock. Uh, you bought it for 100. It's now worth 200. You pay taxes on that extra 100 dollars. But now, next year, it's only worth 150. Are you going to get half of the tax you paid the previous year back? I sincerely doubt it. That's why I just keep your ears open to more versus United States because how the court finds will lead a lot of people as to where things go. Now, again, this is an, an opinion of the court. It's not law. I know they want to call it law. It's not law. It's not the supreme law of the land. But it is going to influence a lot of judges and a lot of future cases. So it's certainly, in my opinion, worth keeping an eye on. Now, there's another case. This one actually comes out of Tennessee, which is part of the reason why I got my attention. And it involves the Department of Justice going after the state of Tennessee for their aggravated prostitution law. Now, the aggravated prostitution basically says prostitution in, in Tennessee is generally a misdemeanor. But the the law says, the, the aggravated pro, uh, prostitution law says, makes it a felony for prostitution if the person committing the act knowingly has HIV. Now, the U.S. Department of Justice, quote-unquote, the part of injustice, actually, says that the statute violates the Americans with Disabilities Act because... HIV and AIDS are both considered disabilities. Now, what I want you to do is consider the cognitive dissonance that we're dealing with here. On the one hand, the Department of Justice of the United States says that HIV and AIDS are disabilities. Having those, having HIV or AIDS are both considered disabilities. However, 
acting in a way that could knowingly transmit such disability, such disabling diseases to another person is not a enhancement of the crime. That it's discrimination to not allow somebody who knowingly has this, these potential, these, these disabilities and could potentially pass them on to somebody else, knowingly do so is, not, is, is discrimination to prevent them from, knowing, from doing something that knowingly passes it on. Have I got you confused enough yet? Because that's the logic behind the Department of Justice. Now, I got. I, I, when I first saw this, I'm like, "Oh my God, what's going on?" I looked a little closer at what I see here, and what you have. What I first thought was simple um, prosecutorial overreach actually shows me to be a complete a corruption of justice. Because uh, let me ask you: if um, if someone is in an, an automobile uh, uh, collision and they they hurt somebody else. They hurt or kill somebody else. Um, is it worse if the person was drunk when they did it or not? In other words, should a person get a greater penalty if they if it was a simple motor vehicle accident or if it was a motor vehicle accident that they were drunk when they were operating the vehicle? Most people I would talk to say, "Listen, yes, it, it, you know, if you were drunk, if you knowingly endangered other people's lives." then yes, there should be a greater, greater penalty. How is this really much different? If you are in the act of prostitution, which is already a crime, and you knowingly, someone who, who knowingly has a communicable disease that is life-altering, if not actually life-threatening, how is that not justification for enhancement? Put it this way. Again, how is it discrimination to say you've put someone else's life in danger, that crime is worse. That's effectively what the Department of Justice is. Actually, what the Department of Justice is arguing is that the fact that you are identifying somebody with HIV or AIDS is actually more important than the fact that they were endangering the lives of somebody else. Now, personally, what I'd love to see is I'd love to see the Tennessee Attorney General saying, uh, listen, the, um, the regulation of our prostitution laws is not the purview of the federal government. Um, regulating uh, disabilities is not a power delegated to the United States by the Constitution. Therefore, go pound sand. I don't think it's going to happen, right? Because we got we have so many people that know stuff that's just say so. They know that the American with Disabilities Act, because of the supremacy clause, supersedes whatever the state does. But that's not true, because was the ADA passed pursuant to the Constitution? If the answer is no, it's not the supreme law of the land. And again, tell me where the federal government is authorized to regulate discrimination or disability. The answer is, it's not. But this is an example where people just know that federal law supersedes state law, therefore, the, the, you know, you should bow the knee to the Department of Justice. I hope, I truly hope the Senate, state of Tennessee says, uh, no, that's not within your purview. Um, we're not, we're not changing anything. And if you want to take it to court, fine, we'll go to court, but we don't care what the court, federal court says because the constitution says this. I know it's a radical idea, 
but it's what you know that just ain't so that bites you in the backside. And if you know that the Supremacy Clause gives the federal government power over the states, then what you know just isn't so, and it will bite you in the backside each and every time. And speaking of things people know that just ain't so, how many of you realize that immigration is not a power delegated to the United States? I know there are people out there going, but, 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 I just blew their minds. They think I'm crazy, but look through the Constitution. You can look at it all you want. You will not find the word immigration. But, but, Paul, Congress has the power to regulate immigration. No. Under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4, Congress has the power to establish a uniform rule of naturalization, not immigration. In other words, Congress can set the rules for taking an alien and turning them into a citizen. It says nothing about immigration. Now, the federal, the United States is to protect the states against um, uh, uh, invasion. But again, that's not immigration, that's invasion. Now, why I bring that up is because there's been an ongoing fight about the border, the Texas border with Mexico. See, we, we keep saying, you know, the, the federal government's not doing their job. They're not uh, defending the border. So Texas said, you know what? We'll put up our own barriers. If the federal government won't do what they said they would do, and put, we'll put up our own barriers. They put up some razor wire. They put a barrier, a floating barrier across part of the Rio Grande. Um, and uh, they'll say the federal government is not real ha uh, happy with it. Now, this has been going on for a while, but uh, just recently, the uh, Fifth Circuit Court of, Court of Appeals uh, decided that no, the state of Texas doesn't have the authority to guard its own border. Now, that court has ordered the removal of a thousand-foot-long boy barrier that uh, the Abbott administration placed in the river to dissuade illegal immigration. Uh, by the way, again, that order, I want to remind you of something that uh, uh, Alexander Hamilton said in Federal 78. He said that, that courts have neither force nor will, only judgment, and are ultimately dependent on the executive for the enforcement of their opinions. Um, at this point, I would tell Texas, no, don't, don't take it down. I don't care about that. That court order is not legal. Why? Well, where does it say that the federal government owns all the foreign, all the borders with other countries? The constitution doesn't say that. Where does the constitution say that the federal government has, that the United States has the, the power over immigration? It doesn't. So Texas, since that border is Texas's border with the with Mexico, yes, Texas is one of the United States, but it is Texas's border. And Texas has every right to guard its own border. In fact, Governor Abbott said, uh, we will be seeking what's called an unbuffed ruling by the entire District Court of Appeals. Um, he also said that uh, if we lose there, we will take that to the United States Supreme Court because we know Texas has the right to legally deploy those boys in the water to prevent people from entering our country and our state illegally. And that is absolutely true. But so many people believe that the federal government is in charge of immigration. They, they, they think it's wrong for Texas to guard its own border. They think they're dependent on the federal government to do that. That's not a power delegated to the United States. Texas is well within their constitutional authority to do so. 
because the Tenth Amendment, uh, I'm sorry, the um, yeah, the Tenth Amendment says if the power is not delegated to the United States and it's not prohibited to the states, then it belongs to the states. So Texas is just doing what the Constitution says Texas can legally do. But if you're one of those that just knows the Supremacy Clause says the federal government can do whatever it wants, well, then there goes the state. I mean, the state just has no purpose of, uh, purpose anymore. I've got some more examples I want to get to, but I have to take a break before I go. Uh, before I do, though, you know, one of the things I do every day is I go through generally about 600 headlines looking for content for the radio program, for the website, for, for you. Now, I get my news from a lot of different sources. One of them is AmericaOutloud.news. So I'm going to ask you to join me every day. Go to AmericaOutloud.news and see what's going on. Find, what's go find out what's interesting. Maybe there's a story that tells something that, that really touches your heart. Maybe you listen to a podcast where somebody like me, maybe, explains a difficult concept that, that in a way that finally clicks. Maybe there's a video that shows something important or an article that really is informative. Take that information and share it. See, you have to do your part if you want to enjoy the blessings of liberty. You can't keep this information to yourself. It's as if what I'm, is, I'm saying is true. If what you know that just ain't so is what gets you in trouble, then it's incumbent on you to help dispel those myths. And you can do so by sharing those, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, and the stories. And by doing so, you help secure the blessings of liberty. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out AmericaOutloud.shop, look for ASEA Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement, and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. Lean, pure, with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, 
elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today we're talking about justice being blind, or is it just corrupt? We're dealing a lot with, with what people say and what people know that just isn't so. So we've ta- I talked already about the cases about uh, with Trump. We talked about some other cases that are you know, dealing with Texas and the border and others. I want to shift gears. And I got a couple of topics I want you to consider before we we, uh, we call it a day today. And what is, what do you know about the COVID-19, quote unquote, vaccines? You already know, if you listen to this program, you know a fair amount. Did you know this? How many people do you know that took the va- the shots because they were told that they were safe and effective? I mean, the media touted it, the president touted it, all the government officials, safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. How many of you know that back in October of last year, October 22, uh, a group called Panda called the COVID vaccination campaign a failed experiment? Now, a Panda's a research group, and they recently uh, updated uh, that, uh, that, that statement, and they said not only does it stand by their assessment of its, of its, its original concerns, there was even more. They said the clinical trials were fraudulent. Several of the studies after their rollout were significantly biased. And um, yeah, by, by the time they got to phase three trials, the, the vaccines were conducted mainly on healthy young subjects who were at negligible risk of serious illness. And they were incapable of measuring the, 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 the purported benefits. So how many Americans know the vaccines are safe the vaccines are effective. But the point is, um, that's not so. Their, their, their safety is questionable at best. Their effectiveness was never tested in, well, simply observational studies show uh, that you know, people who got the vaccine still got COVID. We were told, the quote-unquote experts told us, if you get the vaccine, you will not get COVID. Yet, not people who are vaccinated were getting COVID. They, oh, these are breakthroughs. No. At one point earlier this year, the vast majority of the hospitalizations from COVID were among the vaccinated, not the unvaccinated. And with the huge numbers of adverse effects reported, both by VAERS and VSAFE, I have to wonder how many people took that thing they knew was so that the vaccine was safe and effective and got bit right in the backside because it wasn't so. How many people have have um, suffered injury, myocarditis, other injuries? How many people have died because what they knew to be so wasn't true? How's another, here's another one. Uh, Texas Attorney General Paxton is suing Pfizer for misrepresenting the efficacy of their quote-unquote vaccine. Uh, from a press release, uh, the, Ken, the uh, Ken's office said, uh, Paxton's office said, 
Pfizer engaged in false, deceptive, and misleading acts and practices by making unsupported claims regarding the company's COVID-19 vaccine in violation of, Te of Texas Deceptive Trade Practices Act. So now he's going off and suing them. Now, what's interesting is he's suing them, he said, because of misleading marketing, highly misleading marketing. Well, here's another thing most people know that just ain't so. See, they know that under the PrEP Act, you cannot sue Pfizer or Moderna or any of, these, any of the vaccine manufacturers for harms caused by the vaccine. You realize that's, that's not so. See, that part of the PrEP Act violates the First Amendment. The First Amendment says Congress cannot make a law that deprives you of your right to petition a government for a redress of grievance. They cannot prevent you. They, Congress cannot pass a law that prevents you from suing somebody that you have a grievance with. Now, sure, people think about it, but Congress said they'll take on the liability. Show me where in the Constitution Congress is authorized to take on the, li the pr product liability from a corporation. Doesn't exist. So, again, I want people, people should start filing suit against Pfizer and Moderna for any injuries they, they could uh, reasonably link to uh, the, 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 the jab. And when it goes to court and the court says, well, no, you can't sue, point out that's a First Amendment violation. Point out and say, well, wait a second, that law, deprives, that, that law deprives me of my right to petition your government for a reader's agreements. It, it, it's the federal government assuming a liability is not legally allowed to assume. That act is therefore void. Quote, uh, uh, ex parte C Boulder, my favorite, Shelby v, uh, uh, Norton v. Shelby County. So if you have been harmed, sue. Petition the government for redress of grievance. And by the way, I'll be more than happy to take my, my documents to write up a, 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 a position paper. It'll be very brief, showing that the, um, the Congress cannot prevent you from suing somebody for a product defect, nor can they assume liability for a third party's product defect. Here's another one that we're just everybody knows that just ain't so. We've all we all know the science is settled. Um, you know, anybody who denies it is a conspiracy theorist. They're a wackadoodle. We all know that climate change is 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 happening. We're all gonna die in a few years and it's all mankind's fault. Explain to me that I have a lot of stuff to deal with that. But here's the latest. So uh, Sultan Ahmad Al-Jabbar, he is the president of this year's UN Climate Summit. And you know what he said? He said, there is no science out there or no scenario out there that says the phase-out of fossil fuels is what's going to achieve 1.5. By that, he means a, 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 a limiting global average temperature increase to 1.5 degrees Celsius. There is no science, there is no scenario that the, the phase-out of fossil fuels is going to get us to the mythical goal of a 1.5 degrees Celsius uh, global average temperature increase. Yet here we have President Biden saying you can't have a gas cooktop, 
Uh, and by the way, in many states as well, you can't have a gas cooktop. You got to phase out gas cars. We got to get rid of, of fossil fuels, even though fossil fuels are so much, they are part of what make us great. The access to affordable energy is one thing, but look at the products that are made by fossil fuels. See, everybody knows that if we just get rid of fossil fuels, everything will be fine. Just ask Greta Thunberg. But it's not true. Because it's not based on science. It's not based in, in factual evidence. It's based in myth and story. And it's based, I believe, in people who uh, um, want to make a buck off of climate change. You know, people like, oh, uh, John, John Kerry. Yeah, people like John Kerry. See, he's kind of in a catch-22. You see, the president of the climate summit said that, uh, no, there's, there's no science to justify getting phasing out fossil fuels. There's no scenario where that, that'll, make everything work, where that'll make everything work. He says, uh, the, the, he says there's not even a way to eliminate fossil fuel globally. He says you can't advance economic development. See, unless you want to take the world back to living in caves. So here's John Kerry. What's he supposed to do? Well, again, it's what you know that just ain't so. Now, John Kerry's retort to Politico was, look, he's got to decide how he wants to phrase it. But the bottom line is uh, this cop needs to be committed to phasing out all unabated fossil fuel. Wait a second. There's no science behind that. Why do they have to be dedicated to it? Could it possibly be this is not about saving the planet, but about lining people's pockets? Even worse, could it be not about saving the planet from climate change, but saving the planet from the population bomb? I'm old enough to remember the book, The Population. I remember when it came out. I remember when it was, it was common reading and was proven to be an absolute lie. See, the, the author knew without a doubt that the planet could not support more than 4 billion people. He still says that uh, uh, 1 billion is, is probably the most that you could support. Or We're at 8 billion people. And there's still plenty of food, still plenty of water, still plenty of energy. See, this what you know that just ain't so is, is it really, think of the trouble it's caused. Think of the, 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 what it's cost you to replace your incandescent light bulbs with compact fluorescents and LEDs, or to replace your gasoline-powered car with a, an electric vehicle that costs 20 30% more and has a fraction of the range, or the cost of, of uh, the increased cost in gasoline because they want to tax it to make it less popular among everyday people. All of that is stuff biting you in the backside because people know, even though it just ain't so, that fossil fuel is the root of all evil. It's why I say, trust, but verify. See, just because somebody says something, it, that doesn't make it true. Trust me, I have this conversation a lot. Just because somebody says something. I, has, I was having a conversation uh, a couple weeks ago with a gentleman about um, whether or not the Bill of Rights is applicable to the states without the 14th Amendment. And I said, you keep saying it's true, but you've got no evidence. Where's the proof that it's so? 
I can show you in the Constitution where the Bill of Rights is no different than any other part of the Constitution, that there's no reason why it's considered separate and therefore only applicable to part of the federal government. I know people go bananas over it, but do you realize it came up, it was the it, it came up out of the minds of a Supreme Court justice. This idea that the, somehow the Bill of Rights doesn't apply to the states is the fiction from the mind of a Supreme Court justice. The Constitution doesn't say that. The Bill of Rights doesn't say that. And to date, nobody has shown me uh, language in the debates over the Bill of Rights, either in Congress or during the ratification, that says, you know what, we, this is only supposed to apply to the, to the United States, not to the states. The closest you get, the only, in fact, the only amendment that doesn't apply to the states is the First Amendment, because it says Congress shall make no law. There's one and only one Congress. That's the legislature of the United States. Yet how many people, how many courts have made unconstitutional decisions because they knew that the Bill of Rights doesn't apply to the states because some judge said so, and they never bothered to check for themselves? How many people know that they, they, they just know that when Congress passes a law, well, that supersedes everything. That when the Supreme Court speaks, they offer a, a ruling. It's not true. Read the document. In the opinion of the court. How many people? How many people know that so-and-so is innocent, so-and-so is guilty? How many people know that Congress can tax whatever it wants? Forget the Constitution. How many people know that immigration is a federal responsibility, not a state one? How many people know that the COVID injections are safe and effective? How many people know that, our, that the use of fossil fuel is killing us, even though all the evidence that, that has been used to date has been proven to be false? How many people know? I know they say that ignorance is bliss. That if you don't, if you don't know, it won't, what you don't know won't hurt you. But you see, that's where blind justice come, becomes corrupt justice. Blind justice looks at the facts, looks at the data, says, I don't care about your opinions. That's what it says. That's how I'm going to decide. Corrupt justice says, well, everybody knows that fossil fuels are killing us. Everybody knows that uh, the federal, the, the Congress can do whatever it wants, that the states are serfs and subjects of the federal government. Everybody knows the supremacy clause means the president cannot be, uh, while he's in office, cannot be prosecuted. Everybody knows that, but none of that is true. And before you tell me, again, that ignorance is bliss, consider this. You're driving down the highway at 70 miles an hour. You don't know the bridge is out. There are no signs. There's no warnings. Or even worse, there are signs. There are warnings, but you're not paying any attention to them. you still telling me that that ignorance will lead to bliss? Only if you consider death bliss. That's why I keep telling people, you know, look, look at the sources. Don't focus on the headlines. Don't focus on the text. What the text says, find the sources. If they can't provide sources, don't trust what they're saying. 
If they give you sources, double check the sources. Make sure the sources are telling you what these people are telling you that's telling you. Do you know how many times people keep telling me that the United States is a private corporation because of the the Organic Incorporation Act of 17 of 1872? Except I've read it. Not what the document says. The Organic Act of Washington D.C. of 1872 created a a, a municipal corporation for the city of of Washington, D.C. It created government for the District of Columbia. That's all it did. It didn't turn the United States into a federal corporation. But you see, everybody knows that. And everybody points me to that very same document. And some of them, no matter how many times I read the document to them, they still won't believe me. Now, it's not bliss, ladies and gentlemen. That's what Frederick Bonhoeffer called stupidity the most dangerous state of mind that there is. Now, listen, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you'll come back and join us for the Constitution Study. Every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, we're on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. All the episodes go to podcasts, generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. You can listen to your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Leave ratings and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But as with everything else, let's check our sources. Let's take those links and let's share them. Let's help other people find out what they know that does isn't so. Take the links and share them. Because you're not simply sharing this show, the program, or some entertainment. You're showing the facts, you're sharing the facts and the data that we all can use to share the blessings of liberty.